2: Goodbye! Hello, Heisman! 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45! There goes Davis! Oh my God. Davis is gonna run it all the way back! Auburn's gonna win the football game!
1: How about that? Gentlemen, we have waited nearly a month for these two games. The college football playoff semifinals are finally upon us. We've spent weeks talking about bowl games, about the off-season, about the transfer portal, but finally today. We get to break down the games that we've been waiting for. Welcome into the Three Technique, a college football podcast at the intersection of the X's and O's and the Jimmy's and the Joe's. I'm Mitch Mason, along with Trey Reeves and Garrett Turney. And fellas, I'm not crazy that these games are on New Year's Eve. I think that's a sticking point just about every year. Everyone wants to be doing things with other people uh, not in front of the TV, and yet we're kind of forced to sit in front of the TV. But that being said this entire year since May when we started this podcast has culminated into these two games and then eventually the national championship on January the 9th. When you look back and, and kind of look at what we were projecting for it, expecting uh, certain teams to be in the playoff, how crazy is it that we have these four, Georgia, Michigan, TCU, Ohio State, in the, the manner that we did, right? With all the ups and downs, TCU getting in, Ohio State getting in. I mean, it really feels like, it, it feels pretty cool to be at the end of the road.
0: Yeah, and I think, personally, this is the most excited I've ever been for the college football playoffs in my finals, at least maybe back to the very first one, when it was still kind of a novel concept, right? I think these two matchups on paper are the most fun that I think we've had in a long time, maybe since that first first year of the college football playoff so i'm excited for it definitely wouldn't have expected these four exactly at the beginning of the year i don't think you're that surprised of you know georgia michigan ohio state making it but tcu especially we've we've hit that all year long TCU's the surprise the cinderella i love that they're getting a shot right obviously they're not favored to win obviously we'll talk about and break down their chances against michigan who i think has a more talented team and maybe has you know more elite athletes at elite positions but Look, they're getting their shot, and I think they have a pretty decent chance, maybe a better chance than most people are giving them.
2: Yeah, and I think, you know, the fact that we have Georgia and Ohio State, that doesn't really shock anybody. You kind of expect that. I think two of us picked Ohio State to win the whole thing preseason. The the thing that kind of shocked me is given those two teams making it, how shocking is it that we actually ended up with Michigan being a second team from the Big Ten and you know, TCU as well, like you were talking about, Trey, just a total shock. Nobody even picked them to make bowl games. Nonetheless, you know, make this incredible run almost came up real short against Kansas State in the Big 12 championship. And, you know, we, we go on there. But, you know, Michigan makes it in as the Big Ten champion. And then Ohio State gets in sort of as the secondary team from the Big Ten, the the at-large bid. If you were going to tell me that we had two teams from any conference, I think most people pick the SEC, you know, a Georgia-Bama situation preseason. But to have two from the Big Ten, I think, says a lot about the conference and where they are and about these two teams and how talented both of them are, their respective resumes. I'm pumped about this matchup. I think we truly did get the four best teams this time around.
1: I I think the only thing that really surprised me, I mean, aside from TCU, is the way that Ohio State you know, backed in, quote-unquote. We, sure, we, sure. we talked about all season long how, hey, Michigan and Ohio State, they basically have 11 warm-up games for their one-game season. And then because Alabama lost two, because Clemson uh, just wasn't the Clemson team that I think a lot of people expected them to, to be this season, you have Ohio State that gets to come in as this four seed. Uh, I do think that we probably have the four – Hottest teams. I don't know if TCU would beat Alabama, but to me, that whole argument that Nick Saban is is you know was was trying to to push. Hey, if if we played TCU, who do you think would be favored on a neutral field? Uh, that to me, that doesn't matter. TCU won the games they needed to, and Alabama did not, and and so it doesn't matter who I think is the better team, quote unquote, in a subjective field. TCU proved it on the field. And you know what? For as much crap as the big 12 gets for being uh, you know, a softer conference or a conference that doesn't play physical football. They had some good teams this year. This was not a soft schedule that TCU had to roll through. In fact, for most of the year, they might've ended up. I'm not exactly sure what the final tally was, but TCU had the number one strength of schedule for a large portion of the season. So You know, For for anyone to say, ah, they didn't play the schedule that Alabama did, well, true, they, they didn't, but they proved themselves to be one of the four best teams in the country, whether you think they're the third or the fourth seed. I'm quite happy with the four teams that we have.
2: Well, number one, I do think they ended up with the best strength of record. I think that is where TCU ended up. If you wanted to take Nick Saban at his comments, both of these teams played at a neutral field in Austin. One of them at the beginning of the year while they're breaking in a freshman quarterback, and they barely escaped with a one-point win. And the other one, much later in the season, it was a defensive slugfest, but they beat them by a touchdown. So if you really just want to compare you know, common opponents, TCU beat Texas by a better margin than Bama beat Texas by. So... You know, I'm not saying that I would necessarily pick them, but they have, you know, as far as a neutral field, who would I pick them to win? I don't think it's absurd to say that TCU would beat Bama in a neutral field, given some of the deficiencies Bama showed this year, that they haven't necessarily showed that they were that good of a team. And and I'm not going to talk too much more about Bama on this one, because we have a playoff show and they're not in it. Okay, they didn't even make their conference championship game. So how about you make a conference championship game before you talk about trying to get into the playoff or back your way in there? Okay.
0: Get out, you know, out of here, Ohio Nick. State just kind of sheepishly backs in the corner and says, Yeah. Right yeah. Right. But, <laughs> no, how does that? It's a if if whole separate thing. Record, right? Like, we got the four strongest records, and Alabama's right there on the verge. They're the fifth best. And I think TCU did drop to third just because they didn't finish undefeated, but still. Oh, right? yeah. No, yeah. Because they lost. Head the of Alabama, yeah. head of Tennessee, they won on the field, and they finished their regular season undefeated. Their only loss was to a top 10 team in Kansas state that's firing on all cylinders. And it's an overtime. It's literally by an inch or two. So, you know, like we, we've had that debate. I'm really excited to break into these games, but TCU absolutely belongs. And I think it's fine that we finally move past that. And if anyone's still dragging their feet on that, then just get with it, man. Like they, it's going to be an exciting matchup to watch their offense go up against Michigan's defense.
1: Yeah. Uh, well guys, let's go ahead and get into it. I mean, I think we have some, Maybe some comments on on some of the bowl games to get into a little bit later, so stick around for that. Twitter has been absolutely popping off this bowl season, so very quick housekeeping. Uh, If you are not already following us on Instagram and Twitter, at 3TechPod, if you are watching us on YouTube, welcome. Uh, You can find us on Spotify, Apple, all the audio platforms, and if you are listening to us, we're on YouTube as well, at 3TechPod, the three techniques, search either of them Uh, Our SEO results are hitting right now. So you'll find us and uh, you can bring up our account. Garrett's been working overtime this week. Trey and I were both out of town. Garrett celebrated his birthday and he literally told me yesterday, I'm just glad that I'm not having to edit right now. He's been (laughs) cranking out. Every one of these videos that you see go up on YouTube. So thank you, sir. You're doing a great job.
2: Hey, to be fair, I love doing it. It's a lot of fun. But I think when Trey and I did the the session the other day for all these bowl games this week, it was like 12 in a single session. Yeah. And, you know, to put all those out and the worst for me is a little behind the scenes thing. So I ended up rendering everything and I realized I missed one of them. And I just totally oh. cut an entire bowl game out. So I posted everything and I'm like, wait, there's supposed to be 12. Why do I only have 11? So I had to go through and see which one. Make sure I didn't put the wrong one on the wrong thumbnail. And so it was <laughs> it was a little bit of a thing. It took me a little while. So it's a lot of fun. I like doing it, but was happy to not be doing it on my birthday. You're
1: correct. That's, that's right. Well, we appreciate it. Uh, fellas, two games to break down. Let's get into it. Let's start. First and foremost, with the afternoon bowl game, the first bowl game, or uh, playoff game, I should say, of New Year's Eve, it will be 3 p.m. Central Time. The 2 seated Michigan Wolverines, champions out of the Big Ten against the three-seeded TCU Horned Frogs. Uh, Michigan is a seven-and-a-half point favorite as of recording this right now. First blush, and, and I'm not asking you to predict a winner yet, we'll do that at the end, but give me kind of the... The overview of this bowl game. Trey, we'll start with you. Michigan, TCU. What kind of catches your eye when it comes to this one? Well, the
0: simple, you know,
1: 30,000 30, foot view is you've got an
0: amazing offense in TCU against a very formidable defense in Michigan. And I think that's the matchup that everybody's really excited to see. When you dive into it a little bit deeper, though, what I'm really interested to see is how both of these teams handle the contrasting styles of what they've faced throughout the whole year. We've talked about it all year with Michigan, how they're kind of able to just play these slow, drag it out games. And, you know, I think they lose a lot of style points a lot of time. We've we've hit that nail on the head a whole bunch That they lose a a lot of style points by just kind of playing an old school style, right? They're going to run the ball. They're going to establish the run. They're going to play really, really elite defense. And they're going to just kind of dominate teams, suffocate, a lot of their conference schedule, their defense looks really, really good. They've done it against a lot of teams that are in the lower 25% of offenses in college football, your Iowa's your, you know, other big 10 teams. I don't want to throw a bunch of big 10 teams under the bus right now, but <laughs> different style of football than what TCU is facing weekend and week out in the big 12. And conversely, I think on paper, you look at TCU's defense and say, wow, that's probably going to be the worst unit on the field. But, I'm really interested to see how they handle just a different style. Is Michigan going to be able to just line up and run the ball right at them? I think that's what most people expect. But, you know, we haven't really seen TCU outside of Kansas State. We haven't really seen TCU face an offense like Michigan's. And Kansas State is kind of the closest one. It's a mixed bag throughout the year, right? You get the one win against Kansas State, the one loss in the Big 12 championship game. I'm really interested to see just how these two teams handle contrasting styles and what they faced for most of the year.
2: Yeah, and I think if you want to talk about comparisons in terms of just offenses they've seen I'm really looking at, a, from a physicality standpoint, I'm looking at you know Michigan compared to the Texas Longhorns. Yeah. I think having that kind of dual-back system that they've had, obviously, they're not going to be with Blake Corum. That's extremely unfortunate for Michigan, but having a guy like Donovan Edwards, who can really just tote the rock, get 25 to 30 carries, and have no issue with it, I think is a massive plus for Michigan, but you look at that game, if TCU had won that game in a shootout, I would say, ooh, well, good luck, because you're not going to score the same way against Michigan's defense, because Michigan's Defenses, I mean, fantastic. I think they're only giving up 85 yards on the ground uh, and only 277 in the entire game. So this is, you know, a a situation where you know for TCU, if they had won that game in a high-scoring fashion, I'd be nervous about them. But they beat Texas in a low-scoring slugfest where their defense was extremely physical, and for some reason, that 335 was able to, you know, fill gaps quickly. And, you know, the the linebackers playing in space were able to get into the, the holes correctly and do that. I'm curious to see if they can do that against a, I think, much more physical Michigan team. I think just up front, there's a lot more maturity than what Texas had. Uh, and I do think that Donovan Edwards is maybe a slightly more punishing back than guys like Bijan. Um, but uh, I'm just curious to see maybe you know, how that matchup works out. I think that almost makes your entire game. These teams both match up pretty evenly just in terms of scoring. They came in sixth and seventh in scoring, both a little bit over 40 points a game. Um, They both have similar numbers as far as what they do on offense and on defense. Um, But I'm just, you know, I'm curious to see how that TCU defense can match up uh, in terms
1: of, you know, being able to stop that Michigan run attack. I think for me, this game comes down to, which defense rises to the occasion a little bit more. Because, Garrett, you were spot on, 6th and 7th offensively for these two teams. So they they achieve very similar results via different, different paths, right? TCU is certainly more through the air. Michigan, for the most part of the season, has been a lot of on-the-ground Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards. Now it's going to have to be Edwards that's leading that charge. Defensively, though, Michigan the third best total defense in the country, you have to scroll a ways to get to TCU. They're ranked 74th in the country. They've given up almost 1,000 more rushing yards over the course of the season. The pass defense has been a weakness for the Horned Frogs this season. The other thing that I, I found while I was researching this week, one thing that I think is is super interesting to consider, TCU has six transfers that are first-year starters on this ball club. The rest of the, the three other playoff teams combined have two. So TCU wow. was a quick injection of talent. And has it always been pretty? No. They've had a lot of comeback victories, and that's what the, the playoff committee initially held against them, right? But they found a way to get that done. We talked about the strength of schedule. And, and Garrett, you compared Michigan to Texas. That's exactly who I was going to compare them to because when you look at total offense – the best total offense or scoring offense that TCU played this year was the Texas Longhorns. They were ranked 20th in the country. Now they've got to take on a Michigan team that, Trey, like you said, is is pound the rock, wear you down, crush you over the goal line, and and take the air out of that football. I'll throw this back to you guys. What, if anything, can the TCU defense do to step up, to rewrite the script here a little bit? Because when you look on paper – That seven and a half point line looks about right, given the fact that Michigan is going to decrease that possession number.
0: Yeah, I think it's havoc plays. I think whenever a team that's down, right, whenever a team that's not favored to win or is like favored by more than a touchdown, usually what you see uh, formulate to an upset is those havoc plays on defense, either a takeaway here or there or... You know, getting a few sacks in opportune times, putting Michigan in third and long situations. It sounds cliche, but they've got to keep Michigan behind the chains. If Michigan's getting five, six, seven yards per carry, it's going to be a long day for the TCU Horned Frogs defense. But you know, if they're able to get some stops on first down, if they're able to put Michigan into passing situations on second and third down, then get some sacks. Let their pass rushers. They have a pretty efficient pass rush. I don't. I don't have the numbers in front of me on where they rank nationally, but. You know, just the eyeball test will tell you that they have a very efficient pass rush that can make some plays. And that's the key. JJ McCarthy does not make a lot of mistakes. He's not going to wow you with the big plays. I know he had a few, you know, downfield shots against Ohio State, but typically he's not going to wow you with the big plays. He's not not typically what their offense is formulated around. But keeping him uncomfortable, keeping him off balance, and I think making him beat you with his arm because you put them in third and long situations is the key for TCU.
2: Yeah, and I think that they're going to have to shut down the pass to to have a chance at this because so if you look at just the base defense that they run, they run a 3-3-5 and I think JJ McCarthy was even talking about it in one of the the You know, pregame press conferences, he was talking about if they come out there in the 335, they're excited because they're going to get to pull some guards and really smash them in the face. Right. And they're talking about how they're going to have no. And I love the trash talk. Just to be clear, I love the the persona around J.J. McCarthy. He's an absolute, I mean, trash talk baller. And I, I love having that around college football. But I think that the key for TCU is going to be shut down the pass and don't give them anything. For as well as they do on offense, Michigan only averages 210 yards in the air per game. And so that's not necessarily a massive number. Not terrible by any means, but it's not a massive number. TCU boasts a really good pass defense, just in terms of what you'd expect in the Big Ten or the Big 12, rather. And Travius Hodges Tomlinson won the Jim Thorpe. And so they have one of the best back there against, you know, a Michigan receiving corps that we've talked about. And they're not necessarily explosive. These guys aren't going to be, you know, at the same caliber of some of the other teams. They might have just on paper one of the worst receiving cores in the playoff. You know, I, I think if you just look at who the other teams are bringing into this one, I think, you know, there's a chance that they have the worst of the group. If you're running a 3-3-5 and you can shut down the pass, that lets the safeties come up and it lets you get more guys around the line of scrimmage, and that's going to be what they need. You're not going to have guys at the point of attack like you normally would, so you have to be able to kind of stifle it by letting those linebackers creep up a little bit, let guys get around the edges so you can't really stretch the field that well. You can kind of force them to go between the tackles, and then at that point, it's just about filling gaps and stopping the run. I think Michigan will be able to get, you know, an easy three, four, five yards on most carries in this game, but it's about forcing them into things like second and seven, second and six, as opposed to second and three, second and two, right? If you're staying there for Michigan, you're ahead of schedule, you're going to be fine during this game. But if they can force you into passing downs where, you know, it's maybe more of an obvious passing situation, I think they can suppress the Michigan attack and force this to be a lower scoring game for the Wolverines.
1: I'm. So I'm I'm weighing out, I think if this is a defensive match, Michigan's going to win. Uh, yeah. I, I don't think that TCU's defense can play as consistently as the Wolverines can, nor do I think that they can be relied upon for those turnover, for those havoc plays in the biggest moments like I think you can with the Wolverines. Talked about Michigan's pass rush a couple of weeks ago. I think even it must have been leading into the Ohio State game even without guys like Aiden Hutchinson, David Ojabo, they have gotten to the quarterback actually more efficiently this year than they did the two years past when they had the brand name, big time, top five draft picks uh, coming off the edge. So I've been really impressed with what Michigan has done. If it's a shootout, is that the only way that you guys see TCU winning this game? And, And if that is the case can Michigan keep up offensively in a shootout? Because that's how TCU has has beaten some opponents, uh, is just by bludgeoning them into submission by scoring a 1,000 points. Think back to the o- Oklahoma game.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the big concern if you're Michigan. I think if you're Michigan, your formula to winning this game is coming out and stifling that early, not letting. TCU's going to try to you know hit a big play or two in the first couple drives and try to get up 14 to nothing. I think that's the formula for TCU is to put Michigan on its heels immediately. If you don't see that happen, I think Michigan could walk away with this one relatively easily. But if you're Michigan, you got to come out and just whatever it takes, not let that happen. If you're Michigan and it's 0-0 at the end of the first quarter, I think you're feeling absolutely fantastic about your chances at that point.
2: Yeah, and Michigan's defense is by far the better unit of the two. I do think, though, that TCU could win this in a low-scoring affair just because I think if it's low-scoring, what you're also talking about is the fact that Michigan's offense, for some reason, isn't humming. Right? We, we talk about you know both teams being good. Michigan scores plenty of points just like TCU, so getting in a shootout almost isn't in their favor because if you ask me in a shootout, who wins that game. It's typically the defense that makes that one or two extra plays. And I think I trust Michigan to make one or two extra plays. And I trust TCU on defense. So in a, in a shootout game, I'd almost think that that goes Michigan's way just because you expect that sack, that interception, that, you know, big stop on third down from Michigan. I think in a low scoring affair, that, you know, shows you that, hey, TCU is able to stand up and play physical. And at that point, you have a guy like Max Duggan who can make that extra play. And I think he's the dynamic factor here, right? I think if you're looking at who are the dynamic players on both of these offenses, Donovan Edwards is your guy on Michigan's team. But Max Duggan is absolutely the guy on TCU. Mm -hmm. And if you have a game that's, let's say, 17-17 in the fourth quarter, I feel great if I'm a TCU fan at that point because, you know, at that point you have a guy in Max Duggan who can make that extra play, who you've seen just has that X factor. He may not be the most polished. He may not be the best pro prospect, but at the same time, you can't deny that this guy makes plays and finds a way to win. That's what he's been doing all year. And so, you know, even if you're down a couple points in the fourth, I would almost feel better about that than if it's a back-and-forth slugfest where you're asking him to go out and score again and score again and score again because mm-hmm. Michigan is scoring again and scoring again and scoring again. I'd almost rather this be more of a low-scoring game because that shows the TCU's defense came to play and then it's it's more of a make-the-most-of-your-opportunities situation.
1: Okay, so let's do this. And Trey, I want to hear who your X factors are in this as well, but let's go ahead and make our picks for this. And Garrett, let's start with you. Pick your winner of this game and ultimately give a reason why.
2: Yeah, I, I think Michigan wins this game. I think that this is what most people are expecting. I don't think that they cover the spread, though. I think that this is a fairly close game where you, you have kind of a, I do think it'll be a back and forth scoring thing. Um, I, I think that Michigan's defense will make more plays early, but man, TCU just doesn't go away. They, they won't go away. They won't quit. They'll hit you with some big plays and they're going to find a way to score ultimately at the end of this one. I think you probably see something more in the realm of maybe a 31 to 28, 31, 27, something like that, um, just as far as a final score goes. Um, And and I think ultimately at the end of the game, it's going to be a Donovan Edwards long touchdown run that does it. I I think TCU will play decent defense in terms of stopping the run at times. I think that they'll find ways to get off the field. But I do think as the course of the game goes along, you're going to see a long run. You're going to see him break a tackle, hit the lane. You're going to see someone spring a big block. And I think ultimately that's what ends up doing it for Michigan.
0: Yeah, I'm going to lean Michigan here, too. I think the margin of victory is a little bit wider, and I hate saying that because, you know, TCU, all year long I've just loved watching this team develop and watching their run. even told my TCU family at Christmas Eve that we're all frogs this year, just kind of all, you know, (laughs) rallying together over that. But, yeah, I think I'm going to go Michigan 31-20, to I think. Uh, Similar to you, Garrett, I think at the end of the day, It's going to be a big play, and I'm looking for which receiver is going to step up for Michigan because I don't know that, you know, running the ball three times every series is going to get it done. I mean, we can talk about TCU's rush defense if that's all you can do. They're just going to stack the box, and I don't care who you're playing against. If you don't have any pass threat, you're not going to be able to run the ball very effectively, so I don't know if that's Ronnie Bell. I don't know if that's Cornelius Johnson, but that's my X factor for Michigan. Who's going to step up and be that guy that J.J. McCarthy can hit on those third and longs when they find themselves in it and keep the chains moving because TCU is going to be really licking their chops to get after the quarterback and probably feeling like they're done a pretty good job. And just being able to demoralize them on a third and seven when you hit them for about a 15 yard play and keep a drive moving, that's going to be huge for Michigan.
1: I'm so I'm very in it very similarly in the boat that Garrett is, where I think Michigan does win. I think it's a 31 24, 31 27 Type of final I do think it's very close for TCU if they're going to win this game they're gonna have to have Tay Barber Quentin Johnston getting open you've got to have that separation because I think Michigan is is going to bring that pass rush and you've got to have your receivers separating early to give you that chance that's how TCU has made these splash plays right and Kansas State did a great job of getting to Max Duggan. When when TCU's offense wasn't humming in Dallas, it was because Kansas State didn't give him a moment to breathe. As soon as he took that snap, he was having to uh, evade rushers. The wide receivers were not getting separation. And he didn't have clean looks down the field. And I think you're going to see that turned up a notch with Michigan's pass rush. So ultimately, I do think Michigan's defense is is the X factor here. We've seen JJ McCarthy be able to throw the ball when he needs to. It may not be the staple of their offense, but when he's absolutely needed to against really, really solid secondaries, at least statistically McCarthy's been able to find wide receivers down the field. I think that combination, just a better balance plus a stifling defense is going to give Michigan the victory here. But I got to say like, Saying that TCU keeps it within even five, six points potentially, I think is a massive credit to them because statistically, they probably shouldn't hang around in this game. That defense on paper is just not very good. And I think that there is a chance that Michigan, if they do the opposite of what, Trey, you have said TCU has to do, if they score 14 early on, then I think it could be a really long afternoon for the Horned Frogs. But... At the same time, we've seen them be able to come back from that. When it happened at Oklahoma State, when it happened with Kansas State the first time, even the second time, they Mm -hmm. rallied back, right? And they make it a game, they tie it up. Uh, Obviously, in the Big 12 Championship game, they fell short, but this team has no quit in it, despite what it might say statistically on paper. So I do expect this to be a good game, but I do think that Michigan will will punch the first ticket into the national championship game.
2: Well, and it's kind of a rough draw for TCU. I think Michigan might be the best just statistical team on paper in the playoff, just as far as well-rounded. They're, they're you know, solid on defense. They play exceptional defense, but they also score a bunch. And so I think if you're TCU, you're kind of, begrudging the fact that this is your your first matchup you might rather get in a shootout with Ohio State or you you might rather just like depend on a Georgia team who hasn't been able to score as well across the course of the year and maybe hope that you can get into a slugfest with them but you know I I think TCU the season that they've had especially based on you know the expectations coming in you know there's no moral victories but at a certain point you got to step back and say wow what a ride and, and hope that you can you know use this as they have started to use this with the transfer portal with recruiting and to start building, you know, something even more for the future. I
0: actually think this is the best chance that TCU would have to make a national championship game is going up against Michigan, not trying to be a Michigan hater. I just think this is the best possible matchup for them. I think that this team represents the best chance to just go out and blitz someone from the beginning, right? Just throw everything at them, get up by a couple scores and then just kind of go from there. But I don't know. We'll see. I'm really, like I said, off the top, I'm really excited to see this matchup. I think it's going to be one of the better semifinal matchups that we've seen.
1: Mm -hmm. I I agree. I, and, and I get where you're saying because I think TCU better against the run than they are the pass Ohio state, right? They make a lot of their hay through, through the air, Georgia, you know, who knows? It kind of depends on what they decide to do that week. If Stetson Bennett's on or if they've just got to run the ball right through your throat. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for this game again, 3 PM on new year's Eve. Let's go to the other one. Ohio State, the 4 seed, against number 1 Georgia Champions out of the Southeastern Conference. Georgia's 13 and 0. The Buckeyes are 11 and 1 after sitting out conference championship week. Same formula here. Give me, and Garrett, let's start with you. Give me what kind of catches your eye when you put these two teams together on paper? What are you expecting to be some of the overwhelming storylines that we watch? on, I guess it's Saturday night at 7 p.m. I think that this
2: is another case. We've had a lot of these in bowl season where, you know, you have one team's strength against the other team's weakness. And I think this is another example of this, just in terms of scoring. Ohio State has the second best scoring offense going up against Georgia, who has the second best scoring defense, right? So these are teams that, you know, it's a real unstoppable force, immovable object situation where Ohio State scores a bunch of points, That's what they do. They go out there, they throw up a bunch of points, but man, they against Georgia, the best defense you can compare them to is Michigan, right? A team that plays really solid defense has some good athletes, really sound assignment. And and, I mean, that's still just a comparison. I think Georgia has got the better defense between them and Michigan, man, Georgia just plays such a different level of physicality, such a different level of things like that. And, And You know, we saw what happened when C.J. Stroud got pressured. We saw what happened when he got off schedule. That was one of the things that we highlighted going into this game was, man, when C.J. Stroud gets blitzed, when he gets off schedule, that he's not the same quarterback that he is when he's on schedule. Things are fine. The pocket stays clear. They're going to have to find a way to keep the pocket clear for him. On the flip side, you know, Ohio State's defense hasn't been necessarily what they expected it to be, bringing in Jim Knowles and hoping that maybe that would give them a boost to be a top five defense. But at the same time, Georgia's offense has been inconsistent this year. They've put up some big points, and you know, going into this game, you're glad if you're a Georgia fan to see them put up 50 or whatever it was against LSU in that SEC championship game. But at the same time, you know, as a Georgia fan, that you haven't seen the best offensive output from your team consistently this year. And you're really hoping that this offense shows up and they they show up to this game, get off the bus. You know, and and I think that if you're an Ohio State fan, you have to hope that your good, but maybe not great defense can take advantage of some of those things that Georgia doesn't do so well, can take advantage of a Stetson Bennett who has been efficient, but maybe not explosive this year. Definitely not a scoring explosive quarterback. He, he's completed 67% of his passes for a good yardage number, but only 20 touchdowns in the air. That's not a massive number that jumps off the page to you. I think you're kind of hoping that you can take advantage of that if you're an Ohio State fan, especially considering what you saw when you matched up with michigan and your team did not look anything close to like what it had looked like the previous 11 games
0: i think we might be i don't know i'm, I'm gonna throw this to you guys are we overlooking the ohio state defense just a little bit because statistically they really have been you know a, a big big turnaround this year i'm looking at just the numbers they're 15th in pass defense 25th in rush defense that's including the you know We all saw what happened against Michigan. We know they gave up a lot of yards against Michigan, still 25th in the country, and 12th in total defense, 13th in scoring defense. So are they the 2021 Georgia Bulldogs? No, but I think, (laughs) I don't know. I think just nationally we're overlooking their defense just a little bit, and I think that could be a very interesting X factor, because if they're able to put some pressure on Stetson Bennett, if they're able to find, you know, someone, anyone, to cover Brock Bowers I don't know who that's going to be for Ohio State but (laughs) they're able to find a solution to the Brock Bowers problem and if they're able to kind of contain the running game a little bit for Georgia this could be a pretty close game that Ohio State's offense could take over I'm not saying it's going to be a repeat of the first year where Ohio State just kind of blitzed Alabama Mm -hmm. Ezekiel Elliott took over that game in a four versus one matchup but I think that formula is there. And I don't think a lot of people are talking about that necessarily. I think a lot of people are assuming Georgia and their defense is going to shut down. And look, I've been the first to kind of point out that Ryan day's teams have struggled in physical games. they really yes, they struggle have. against physical defensive lines that push them around a little bit. When the game script gets off balance for Ohio state, things get spiral out of control very quickly, typically. So Georgia is if Michigan can do that Georgia absolutely can but you know you've given Ryan Day a full month of preparation to look at film of this Georgia defense they've been hearing for a whole month how soft they are these are good (laughs) athletes right Like these are prideful dudes that are good athletes everyone's telling them they're not supposed to be there they're soft I think this is going to be a close game and I think it's going to be really entertaining
1: Hey, listen, they did plenty of push-ups in between trips to the kitchen during conference championship week. (laughs) Uh, No, Okay, so on, on their statistical defense side of things, I agree with you because when I looked at the numbers, I went, you know, on paper this is not matching what I watched that last week of the regular season against Michigan. And I do think that the stats you have to take with a bit of a grain of salt because you factor in teams like Iowa that have forgotten how to throw a forward pass Northwestern, they played in you know fifty mile per hour, per hour game. Not a murderer's
0: row of offense. No, just Lutner, like
1: a exactly. Yeah, teams that aren't really throwing it downfield more than once, you know, uh, at, at the twenty plus yard mark. So, I do think that traditionally Big Ten teams have on paper maybe better pass defenses than than they would realistically. You throw in the fact that then they they do play a Michigan team who maybe they took for granted. I don't know. I mean, Michigan, it wasn't exactly slinging the rock down the field either. And then time after time after time, they got beat over the top. So, you know, maybe that wasn't in the game plan and and their secondary was just kind of conditioned to come up instead of go back uh, on, you know, at the line of scrimmage. I don't know. Um, but that what you're saying about them hearing it, how bad they've been for a month. That is a motivating factor. And look, this is not a team that's, you know, lucky to be in the college football playoff for the first time in their program history. This is a blue blood who won the first ever college football playoff, right? They are expecting to be here. Ryan Day, after they won the Rose Bowl last year, said, yeah, this year's kind of a disappointment because they didn't make it to the playoff, right? I mean, that's just the reality at Ohio State. So you've got these big time guys... Uh, one of the best defensive coordinators in the country, M. Jim Knowles. I do wonder if his type of defense still is a year or two away from being fully installed just because he is so aggressive, so complex. And hey, when he brings that blitz, you'd better have Corner Island on the outsides because you've got nobody to help you over the top. I think personally for me, this is the best matchup that Ohio State could have to it work, right? Because yep. Georgia's not normally going to throw it deep down the field. Now, have they been very good slinging the the, the rock to their tight ends, Brock Bowers, to Eric Gilbert, uh, to Darnell Washington? Yes, absolutely. Lad McConkey slips behind the defense, and he's gone for sixty plus. Absolutely. But this Georgia team wants to run with their combination of four backs, and for me, that's what Jim Knowles does so that's what he's so well conditioned to stop is bring blitzes off the corner to hit that running back in the backfield to stuff the a gaps for me i think this is very very close contested ball game all the way down to the end and and garrett i'd love to hear you on this too Uh, trey and i are clearly on the the bandwagon that ohio state has a great chance to win this game do you feel that way too okay
2: so here's the thing i don't want to sound like an ohio state hater i really don't i just don't think that they are going to be able to match up with Georgia on this one i hear what you guys are saying and i i respect their defense more than maybe what it sounded like off the front they keep the yardage numbers low kind of to what you were saying mitch part of that is this the competition but let's not pretend they didn't play two very good offenses in michigan and penn state both of which had some success michigan obviously more than penn state did um i You know, right here, it's only 184 uh, in passing and 119 in rushing a game for them. So good numbers. I look at Georgia's numbers, and I think that here is your main problem. Georgia averages giving up 77 yards rushing in a game. We saw what happened when Ohio State's run game went away against Michigan. The run game went away. You pin your ears back. You pressure Stroud. He gets off schedule. I don't think that they're going to have any success running the football in this game. I, I don't see a way for them to have any real success in this. I also think the really unfortunate thing is the fact that this is being played in Atlanta. (laughs) The Beach Bowl is is right in Georgia's backyard. They dominate games in that stadium. I mean, there's some really good teams that they've played this year. Uh, I think back to the beginning of the season, that Oregon team is no joke, and they stomped them in that stadium. Uh, I I just, I don't really see much of a path here for Ohio State. Here's the Ohio State path. You have to hope that Stetson Bennett comes into this game choking, right? You have to hope that he comes to this game and he is not on it. You can get after him. You can pressure him, whatever it is. And he just, he, the moment's going to be too big for him and he's not going to deliver. That would make sense if he hadn't just won the natty last year. Um, You have to hope that maybe some of their star playmakers aren't there for it. Um, I don't see that happening. I think Lad McConkey is a, an underrated factor in this game for Georgia out wide. I think you could see him having a big day against some of that one-on-one like you were talking about when they try to bring in pressure. But I just think you have to respect guys like Kenny McIntosh, Dejon Edwards, Kendall Milton. These guys run the football well. They're maybe not as explosive as guys that Michigan put out there against Ohio State, but these guys run the football well. And I think they're going to wear them down over the course of the game. <sighs> Again, I'm not trying to say Ohio State has no path here. They can score with the best of them. If they show up mm-hmm. and their offense shows up and they're on, then Georgia has to, to tie their shoes extra tight and make sure they double knot them because it's a track meet, right? And I think that's the way that you have to go with that for them. I don't see that happening. We've seen prolific offenses go up against this Georgia defense. Tennessee disappeared. Yes, that was a home game. This game's in Atlanta. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I don't want to be that guy. I'm not saying Ohio State doesn't have a prayer. I'm not saying they're not the fourth best team in the country because I honestly believe that they belong in this game Mm -hmm. as opposed to an Alabama, Tennessee, whoever else. At the same time, I do think that there are this year three teams that stand out above that fourth team. And unfortunately, I just don't think that Ohio State has what it takes to win this one this year.
0: I think if I'm a Georgia fan, I am very concerned about our secondary right i think if you're looking for a weakness on Georgia's team chink in the armor it's certainly the secondary and you don't want that to be your weakness against an ohio state team Mm it's going to throw the athletes out wide they're going to throw at you and i think that's why i think this is going to be a closer game but look this is also going to come down to how does ohio state respond to adversity because they did not respond well to adversity in that michigan game and that's why that game spiraled from them it was a close game at halftime I think they were even leading at halftime and they just let one bad thing lead to another lead to another lead to another and just spiraled on them. and that's why Mm -hmm. that game you know I don't think I'd love to look at the advanced analytics to see and there's a guy I think it's stats of war on Twitter that puts out how bad did you get beat and I'd love to go back and look at how bad Michigan actually beat Ohio State because I can't remember at the time what it was but Watching it live, it just really felt like that game just spiraled out of control and Ohio State wasn't ready for that moment. And Mm -hmm. I don't know, like you said earlier, Mitch, I don't know if it was they just expected to win and when it wasn't easy for them, they just kind of folded or if Michigan just kind of got under their skin as a rival. I don't know. And it's going to be really fascinating to see how Ohio State responds to another physical opponent that's going to want to beat them up up front and really get to CJ Stroud because if they can't handle it mentally, it could be another blowout.
2: Here, here's my big stat that really is the issue for me. I am concerned a little bit about the the Georgia pass defense, but when you really look into it, the the concerns really go away. For me, look, they give up 215 yards through the air a game. That's not like shocking. That's not necessarily as good as they were last year. I do think they played some better offenses this year. They give up less than one passing touchdown per game. That that's a phenomenal number, and I, I think you you just have to acknowledge that if you're if you're CJ Stroud and you pass for two touchdowns in this game, I think that's success. The problem is, are you going to stop Georgia from scoring more than two or three touchdowns on the ground? Find you know Brock Bowers on a you know seam route, something like that. I just I don't know where they stop them on defense. They they could. I mean, Jim Knowles is a fantastic coordinator, and they have some great athletes on that defense. I'm not trying to take anything away from what Ohio State is i just I also think that the thing that we're not acknowledging is where Georgia is as a program right now, and the fact that I mean they could be going back to back and looking at next year's schedule. a three peat is not out of the question for the Georgia Bulldogs right now, especially with where their talent is, some of the recruiting, the transfers and I, I I just think that Georgia's doing different things right now, and we're kind of in the middle of a dynasty run for the Bulldogs.
0: Well, this game is going to decide if we are. I think because I think if they can get by Ohio state, I like their chances. I I like their chances a lot against Michigan or TCU. I think the winner of this game is going to have a really great shot to win the national title. You know, if Ohio state's able to upset, obviously the possible rematch with Michigan would be fascinating. That would be sick. This game right here, Garrett is going to decide if we are in the midst of a Georgia dynasty because, They this is going to be the toughest you know they they face Alabama in the championship game last year That's obviously really tough but I think this matchup is really really interesting to me and they're going to be able to prove or are they going to be able to prove that they are they've taken that step to be the top team in the college football universe
2: yeah well and one more quick point I think if Ohio State does win this game I think your MVP of the game has to be Tommy Eichenberg I think that's what you're going to have to see out of them is Look, your tackles leader for Ohio State, he's going to have to be all over the field. He's going to have to track down guys in space, play physical. And if he has a fantastic game, I mean, look, he's got 12 tackles for loss on the year. This is the kid who knows how to get after it. But if he has a fantastic game, I wouldn't be shocked if they do end up winning this game. I just don't know that he can perform at that level all game long.
1: Georgia needs to get chunk plays. That's what Michigan broke the will of the Buckeyes with a month ago, was every single time Ohio State had a disappointing drive or didn't manage, you know, kicked a field goal instead of getting a touchdown in the end zone, Michigan answered with a 60-yard-plus play. I mean, that's truly what it felt like. Every single time Michigan needed to open up the mystery box and and have something spectacular happen, they got it done, and they got it done on the ground for the most part, right? Um, and so for me, as we start our, our predictions here, I do think that Ohio State if they can take away the chunk play, if they can get pressure on Stetson Bennett, and then ultimately they've got to find a way to consistently score points. I think for Ohio State, they're going to need 40 plus. I really do. I actually think this game turns into a bit of a shootout where I think the other one could be more of a defensive stalemate. I'm going to say the Georgia Bulldogs get it done because the one thing that Michigan did that I do not believe Ohio State has an answer for is the running game and Georgia, Michigan did that with really one back with Donovan Edwards. Georgia's going to throw four at you. They've got two backs that have 800 yards rushing each. They've got two more that combined for, I think, 450-something yards. And in Kirby Smart's whole philosophy is he runs with a stable of running backs. So as your defensive front gets tired, guess what? They've got a fresh pair of legs that's about to run right through you. I think this offensive line for Georgia has been very, very good. And then the defense, look, that defensive front, I've said it for weeks. We've said it for weeks. If you can get a pass rush on CJ Stroud, he doesn't know what to do. And Georgia can get to the quarterback. They can not only come off the edge with safety blitzes, with pass rushers from outside linebackers, but Jalen Carter can also get to the quarterback from the interior. And so you've got potentially three different directions that pass rushers are coming at CJ Stroud. I ultimately think that's what the difference is. So give me Georgia. I'll take Georgia 42-31 over Ohio State. I think it's much closer than that for the majority of the game, but give me the Bulldogs an opportunity to go and truly cement themselves as one of the greatest organizations in college football history. And then, guys, I think we start you know the the national championship narrative and then maybe even the next year talking about, okay, how big is this dynasty going to get?
0: I go back and forth on a final score. I think it's going to be close. I think Georgia wins, but does not cover the spread just because I think there's so many avenues to an Ohio State cover in this one. I think the path to a cover is very... There's more paths to a cover for Ohio State. So I'm going to go Georgia winning the game, something to the tune of 38 to 34.
2: Yeah, I think that's a good number for Georgia. Maybe not as much for Ohio State. With the knowledge that I picked Ohio State to win the whole thing in the preseason. I'm going to go ahead and call a route in this one. I don't think it's particularly close for the majority. I think Georgia jumps out, stays out, and and I just think that the game script, I think, is the problem here. I think Georgia scores early. I think Georgia takes advantage of opportunities early. And when Georgia gets ahead, you pin years back, you go after the quarterback, you force him to beat you through the air. I don't think Stroud can do that when he's pressured. If he does that, he'll be showing me something completely different from what he has shown me all year long. When he gets pressured, when he has to come from behind, I just haven't seen it from him. I think Georgia gets out. I think they stay up. I'm going to call something more like a 38 to 20. I think that this is decently high scoring for Georgia. And I think that Ohio State, they're going to score. They're going to move the ball. I just, I could see some turnovers, you know, on the, you know, plus side of the field. I could see you know, some some missed opportunities. And that's that's just what Georgia does. You know, they just go find the ball. They, they'll they'll pick one off when you're you know just getting some momentum and then score a couple plays later. It's just what Georgia does. Um, I think that they're a special team. And I think we're watching a special team right now that I think I, I'm willing to acknowledge is, you know, possibly the dethroner to Alabama's dynasty right now. And I think we could be talking about them becoming the new, you know, Alabama of college football.
0: And one thing that we haven't really mentioned in this extended preview about Georgia is we've talked about their inconsistency this year, but when they play the top teams on their schedule, the Tennessees, the LSU's, they have just absolutely dominated. They've come out ready to play, they certainly rise to level their competition. That's definitely something to watch for too.
2: Yeah, a couple of, you know, final scores for you from this year just for Georgia when they play those big teams. They beat Oregon 49 to 3. They beat, you know, I don't know if you want to call South Carolina big. They had a good year, but they beat them 48 to seven. Uh, They beat Auburn 42 to 10. That's a rivalry game for them. They beat Florida, another rival, 42 to 20. Tennessee, lots of hype this year, 27 to 13. Um, And then, you know, if you want to call Georgia Tech, they're not very good, but that is kind of a rivalry. But LSU at the end of the year, 50 to 30, they just open up wide margins in these games. They have some flaws on offense. They have some issues on offense they open up big margins and they show up to play in this one. Could this be the fact their inconsistency this year? Could you be saying that this is just a a, a hangover from the fact that they won the natty and most of those guys came back and they're just looking forward to the playoff? Yeah, maybe. But the problem is here's the playoff, the thing they've been looking forward to all year. So uh, I think it's a dangerous point for Ohio State. Not to say they can't win this game, but I just don't see it happening.
1: Well, there you go. Preview for both the college football semifinal games. Again, the Fiesta Bowl going at 3 p.m. between TCU and Michigan. Then you've got the Peach Bowl between Ohio State and Georgia, both on New Year's Eve. Uh, Let us know what you think on Twitter, Instagram. Email the show, 3TechPod, uh, at 3TechPod on the socials, 3TechPod at gmail.com if you want to email us. Let us know. Reach out and give us your projections. Give us a score as well. Uh, If you're really close, if you get everything right, we'll shout you out on the podcast for sure. Uh, You can also leave it in the YouTube comments as well uh, gentlemen bowl season has been really, really interesting. We've had some blowouts. We've had some really fun games just very quickly here at the close of this episode. Uh, right now, Oklahoma is, is, is beating Florida state in the cheese It bowl yesterday though. And I just tweeted this on a whim. I said that, uh, what was that? Two? No. Wednesday's bowl selection would be a lot of fun. And we got some absolute dandies. You had, the Liberty Bowl between Kansas and Arkansas was a classic, goes to triple overtime. Oregon-UNC in the Holiday Bowl was great. Texas Tech blows the doors off Ole Miss, which I know made all three of us smile. Um, what have you enjoyed about about bowl season? And do you think that, you know, is there an argument to be made that bowl season is, is less meaningful or is somehow less fun now with the college football playoff?
0: Look, the rumors of bowl season's demise have been greatly exaggerated because (laughs) it's still a lot of fun, man. Like, it's college football. I don't care if the two teams are 6-6. and They're having a lot of fun out there. The guys that are playing in these games really want to play in these games, and they're entertaining. Like, even, you know, even if they're not the most competitive game on the field or the best athletes on the field, they're still a lot of fun to watch. They're guys that want to be there. Danny Cannell, you can kick rocks, my guy. Like, just stop. (laughs) Eight wins should be the threshold nonsense. You literally take away the amazing Liberty Bowl that we had on Wednesday night. So go kick rocks, dude. Like, just because you don't want to watch it doesn't mean you have to take it away from all of us.
1: How do you root for less less games or fewer games of the sport that, that pays you that a nice wage. A paycheck.
0: I, don't <laughs> I don't I don't want less football. I, I don't like football. That I that get paid to talk about. That makes no right. sense.
2: Right. No, that's, oh, it's just absurd. I do want to shout out a couple teams real quick. Can I shout out the Duke Blue Devils for just dominating UCF for a second? Their over-under win total was three and a half. I picked them as a darling. They finished with nine wins, which I think is – they've had one season in a 100 years with more than nine wins. Mm -hmm. Fantastic job, year one Mike Elko. Also, a little shout-out to their quarterback, Riley Leonard. He finished with the second-most rushing touchdowns from an FBS quarterback. Wow. Not a lot of people want to talk about him. I definitely have been overlooking him a little bit this year, but you know, bringing him back for next year and being able to you know put him at the helm of that team, massive plus. Obviously, you guys talked about the, the Liberty Bowl for a second. Jalen Daniels in that game finished with 544 yards passing. That, that was by far a Liberty Bowl record. I think he set the record with 440 or something like that. I can't remember what the exact record was at the time that he broke it. But I remember seeing the graphic that he had 440 and broke the record. And then they recovered the onside kick and he marched him down the field again. Then he added some – I think he had like 495 in regulation. Just an absurd number. Jalen Daniels is absolutely him. That was not on him that they lost that game. No. We and took then out
0: of his hands on the last two points. I
2: know. And then, and then to throw in it in away – and they had the wide open tight end on the late drag, and it yep. was just that was painful to watch. That yep. I was watching that and I go, What? And I was just shocked that he threw it away. I'm like, why would you do that? And I so don't, he, I don't
1: he didn't he didn't mean to throw it away. He just straight up sailed I, that. That probably was sailed that, it, yeah. that was four quarters of adrenaline and wanting to be in the game that uh that doomed the lean bean machine, unfortunately. Yeah, and, yeah. and
2: Mitch, I don't know if you want to kind of lead up a little bit on this, but can we maybe mention the Texas Bowl? Um, and we've got some traction on Twitter from Ooh. some Texas Bowl comments we've made. And I know that we're not necessarily a pro Lane Kiffin podcast here. No, we're but are um, Man, some antics in that one, but let's just acknowledge for a second that the Texas Tech Red Raiders smoked the Ole Miss Rebels. It wasn't close. There's yeah, was like not a brief moment where there is maybe some hope. And then they returned the onside for a touchdown. So that, uh, I don't know, not a close game for the Ole Miss Rebels there.
1: Well, listen, there were a lot of tweets going out from everybody about Lane Kiffin last night, and we were definitely leading that charge. Someone tweeted that Lane Kiffin uh, coaches bowl games like a 10-year-old plays Madden, and that is absolutely (laughs) an accurate representation. I mean, just going for it. He went for it on his own nine-yard line, fourth and one, and then smart. he's shocked when Texas Tech scores like two plays later. Um, Yeah, listen, Kiffin's. Anyone wants a, to
0: talk about? I don't, I don't know if we want to get into the accusations he made against a Texas Tech player.
1: Today, you know what? I don't even just, really. I don't even really uh, want to give that any credence. I okay, he's a yeah, clown. It's fine.
0: been denied by the he's
2: coach and the player. Come yeah, on,
1: if if you want to go, absolute clown. Yeah, if you haven't seen what Lane Kiffin threw around at the press conference after the game, go look at our Twitter. At Three Tech Pod, made some accusations towards a Texas Tech player, and then kind of backed off and said, "Well, I don't actually know that that happened." But was very pointedly bringing up some terrible things, and then uh, got to sit there and take it in his eye hole. As like you didn't oh, get
0: yeah. caught calling an 18 year old kid a b word, yeah, on national time, mm-hmm. yeah, just it just, just
1: anyway, he's he's a joke, and Is, uh, I'm. Do I'm, we get
2: to call his player? bad words because he went down faking an injury or yeah. is that just reserved for people who wear hoodies on the sideline? I, I don't know how this works. No,
1: it's, it's, it's whatever, whatever world he wants to live in is, uh, you know, and, and I'm, I'm glad Ole Miss extended him. The man is one in four in bowl games. He sucks in the postseason. season. Ole he Miss does. absolutely claps. And listen, if we have any rebels fans, we're not anti Ole Miss. We're anti Lane no. Kiffin, uh, because the guy is a petulant child who, you know, gets what's coming to him. And so, you know, it was so funny seeing Auburn celebrate on Twitter. They're not even in a bowl game this year. And all of Auburn's faithful is celebrating on Twitter going, man, you know what? Thank goodness. Actually, the fact that we didn't get this guy may be the biggest godsend of the season. So, you know, uh, listen, again, not anti Ole Miss. I think that they do a lot of really good things there. But, man, your head coach is as unlikable as there might be a sports figure in college football. It's just plain and simple.
2: And with that being said, I love some of these almost players. I want to root for them. I yeah. I love Quinn Juggins. He's fantastic. Yeah. I love, you know, Zach Evans. He's a fantastic running back as well. I love rooting for some of these kids. I come on. Yeah. Give yeah. me something better with your head coach. Come someone, on. Someone someone has to hold him accountable.
0: Should have picked the other color Jordans. So what can I say? He just, <laughs> if he would have just picked the other ones. He probably would. have. And won.
2: also just stop liking and retweeting, you know, pictures from college girls. Oh yeah. It's just, it's an uncomfortable part of it that it I think really most is. other public figures would get canceled for, but for some reason it's lame. So it's fine.
1: I don't know. I, I don't want to get weird about it. I, I'm not bringing that up, but yeah. none of us would have done that. So yeah, he, he, he does some interesting things yep. on, on the Twitterverse. That's, that's for sure. But, uh, as Trey always says, talk about the winners. Shout out the Red Raiders for oh, yeah. an eight, eight and four season. Uh, they extended uh, Joey McGuire. Uh His contract now runs As for they six, should have. six years, I believe, 26 and change million dollars. So yeah, congratulations to those guys out in West Texas. That's a great, great hire. We said it at the time. Um, this guy is built in a lab for how you want to win in Texas and recruit yep. in Texas. The man has done it for years. I think he's going to do really well. And I think eight and four probably gets to be where the, the floor is for the red Raiders. I think that seven and five, eight and four Mark certainly in the new big 12 is, is where they need to kind of base. And then you look for those 10 win seasons and you know, we, we saw what Mike Leach could do. Um, there, there can be some special moments out there in West Texas mm-hmm. and especially given the fact that, Joey's going to recruit athletes out to tech and teach them how to play his scheme. That's the recipe for spoiling a lot of parties, uh, it, whether it's non-conference or conference games. If you can just surprise someone and out athlete them, you're going to win some ball games. So really happy for Joey Mac. And uh, yeah. yeah, I mean the Liberty bowl was, was Epic Arkansas was up. What was it? 31 to seven and then 38, 14. And, uh, you it know, was, uh, it, everyone was changing the channel, pronouncing that game dead, and then I, yeah, Canada... me
0: uh, in our group. Yes, yeah. I said, I said, poor Kansas. They just yeah. outmatched in this one. Well, it was
2: it was thirty eight thirteen, and Kansas scored thirty two unanswered points if you include the first overtime period. Unreal. Just amazing, and the game that we're not talking about because it was happening at the same time—the Holiday Bowl. Shout out to Bo Nix for being maybe one of my favorite stories this college football season. Yeah. Goes from struggling at Auburn, you know, finds his landing spot with Oregon, turns the season around, turns his career around, and you know, if it weren't for a, a questionable extra point, maybe making the the headlines there, we'd only be talking about how Bo Nix went out there and beat a very good North Carolina team. And, and I'm excited for him. I think he's coming back. That's what I saw last he he's is. coming back. So it'll be a lot of fun to see where they can go next season. I know the Ducks are going to have my attention next year for sure.
1: Oh, they should. They're going to be a factor in yeah. the Pac-12 North. Great recruiting class as well. And yeah, bringing back QB1, that's a big, big win mm-hmm. for the Oregon Ducks. Well, gentlemen, I'm excited for the next couple of days. Uh, the college football playoff, as I mentioned off the start of the show, it's finally here. We're excited for it. Uh, Follow us on our social media. We continue to cover every single game going on right now. While we were recording this, I tweeted about Florida State running a FSU boosters ad on the Cheez-It Bowl commercial. So They are actively campaigning for everyone across the country to <laughs> donate to their booster program so that their kids can have NIL. Um, we so want more money. The wild world we live in. Uh, but I'm very <laughs> excited to watch these games with you guys on New Year's Eve. Yeah, for we sure. Will, we will have a full uh, recap on, we'll record it on Sunday. It'll come out on Monday, our regularly scheduled programming. So um, we're back to our normal schedule now that Christmas is over. And uh, yeah, very, very excited. To get into all of that with you guys, let us know your feedback, who you've got winning these games on Instagram, Twitter, or email the show. For Trey Reeves and Garrett Turney, I'm Mitch Mason. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, so long, everybody.